Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Let's just remain standing for God's Word here. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, in the beginning, 1.1, this is where it all began. In the beginning, the God's holy Word, here it comes, God created the heavens and the earth. The, the, the Hebrew word for created is bara. It means to shape, form, fashion. You could say God is a worker. He worked six days. He rested on the seventh. Genesis 2.15, the Lord took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to what? Sleep? Retire? Sit by the pool? Have a ginger beer? Non-alcoholic? Maybe a cider? What, 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 did, what did he create man to do? Work. Work and care for it. Work is something good for man and was part of Adam's perfect existence before the fall. Before the fall. Pre-fall. God, Jesus replied in John 5, 17, my father is always what? He's always working and, and so am I. You and I are called to work. We're called to work. Father, I pray your holy word would inspire us and teach us today as we bow our knee to you. We open our heart to receive your word from the power of the Holy Spirit to bring us revelation, bring us change, and set our lives on a trajectory that will change generations. We ask this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, you, you, you may be seated. Uh, welcome, everyone. Um, if you're new, my name is Miles. I'm uh, the lead pastor of Elevation. I uh, honor Sanjeev and Jocelyn, our location pastors. Woohoo! Love you guys. And uh, we're so excited that you're here with us today. Bit of a full house. People are standing. That's okay. We've got to get some more chairs or some more room. Uh, and just honored what God is doing in, in this place. Parents, did you have a child? Who was a runner? Come on, every parent knows. Who's had a runner and would not turn around, would just keep going? Anybody? Who was a runner as a kid that you didn't turn around to see if mum and dad was watching, you just kept running? Okay, I was a runner. And I don't know why, I just ran. And my mum first found this out two years old on the roof of our house She's horrified. Dad's at work. She calls the fire brigade, calls up Chin uh, and says, Chin, come and rescue my kid. So if Chin gets there, it wasn't Chin, but the fire brigade gets there. They put the ladder. They climb up the roof. They rescue me. And from that moment on, my mom had a problem. She had a runner. And I, I got fitted with a harness. You know those harnesses like a dog sled, you know? And you got, who's ever seen? And you kind of think it's child abuse a little bit. You think that's wrong. That's poor parenting right? If you had me as a kid, you would love the harness. The harness, man. It just pulled my, my whole family along as I had my little harness. But I would get out of that harness. I would find a way. Usually it was in David Jones. Mum would be trying something on. I'd sneak out. The harness would just run. And I'd hide. I'd hide. And I thought it was a game. And I would always hear over the loudspeaker, we have this little kid. We don't know who it is, but he's annoying. Someone come and get this kid. I would just get lost all the time. Uh, perisher. We would go skiing each year and I would get lost in the mountains and lost in, just, I just was a runner. 
Anybody relate? Parents, it's horrible having a runner. They don't turn around. They don't come back. You're responsible for them. I don't know why, but I just couldn't sit still. Uh, I, I just felt that God was always well able to move me, uh, direct me if I was moving. Uh, I, I thought, you know, God, you can't steer a, a car that's stationary, right? So I thought if you're moving, God's well able to direct you. Maybe it was just my ADHD, I don't know. But I'm a big believer in moving. I'm a big believer in doing. I'm a big believer in pushing forward. That's why we're doing this series. Uh, our last series on future was about dreams that God has for all of us. This series is about going and activating the dreams that God has placed in you. No point just having a dream and not doing anything about it. That's called daydreaming. It's not going to affect anyone. This is a series on activating you into your world. This is about setting you to, to move forward into your sphere of influence. We had Craig Rochelle share last week, go be an influencer. Uh, we have this series of go love your neighbor, go reach the lost, go make disciples, go find your calling. And I'm today going to talk to you about finding your calling in your workplace, in your workplace. We're going to go there today. I think I, I kind of feel comfortable talking about the workplace because I lived there most of my life. I was a builder before a pastor. And I want to share some of those experiences and help activate you today into your workplace. Because we gather in here, but we actually minister out there. And when we pray for revival, I'm believing for revival in your workplace, in your school, in your classroom. I'm believing for revival in your homes. Not just in here, but we actually get ministered to in here so we can go out there. The, word, the first thought is, my work is my ministry. You might want to write this down. I've got four thoughts. Normally, I go three thoughts. I'm a three-step guy because I've got to finish in 25 minutes. I said, Ben, I need an extra five minutes today. I've got to go 30. I know. It's a long time. Hang in there. It's a big preach today, 30 minutes. <laughs> we know we can only do 25 because you fall asleep, anything beyond then. But we're going hard because we're workers today. We're going 30 minutes. Are you good? So the first thought we got for my, is, number one, my work is my ministry. Vocation, which, which really means work or professional occupation, comes from the Latin word vocare, which means to call. God has called man and woman to work. Your work is your ministry. Exodus 31 verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, look, I have specifically chosen Be Bezalel, son of Uri, grandson of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. I filled him with the Spirit of God, giving him wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of what? Crafts. He, he didn't say I've given him expertise in all kinds of Bible teaching, worship leading, preaching, prayer, all kinds of crafts. He was gifted to work. Uh, his ma he's a master craftsman, expert in working with gold, silver, and bronze. He's skilled in engraving. How's these words? They're all so detailed. God's getting all excited about what this guy can do. He's skilled in engraving and mounting gemstones and carving wood. He is a master at every craft. God takes pleasure in Basel's abilities 
And God takes pleasures in your ability. You, you, you may love spreadsheets, administration, behind the scenes, right? Boring. But God loves that. God loves you. He does. He takes pleasure in your, in, in your you know, just focused, uh, your, your specifics, your, your details. Um, you might like selling and talking. God takes pleasure in that. You might like cleaning and gardening and working with your hands. God takes pleasure in that. You might like learning and studying and teaching. Come on, work with me. God takes pleasure in that. You might like running a household, like a well machine and getting dinner on the table at the same time each night. God takes pleasure in that you are just as spiritual as a pastor. Your ministry is no less important than mine. Without you, we don't, we don't have a church. Church isn't a building. Church is people. You know, Lindsay, who shared earlier, is our uh, CPA. She's our accountant over our group of churches. We have six elevation lo- locations. And she is one of the best that I've worked with. I've worked with a lot of businesses when it comes to financial stewardship, um, structure, uh, systems, processes. She, she is amazing. She's so gifted. She's so talented. Yet not just does she have those gifts and talents. She's a woman of prayer. She's a woman of faith. Uh, She's probably more spiritual than I am. So convicted with the ways and the things of God. She challenges me all the time. She might not have a title as a pastor, but she's super spiritual. She's bold. She runs rings around most pastors. You, You don't need to have the title of a pastor to minister. You're all called to minister into your workplace. A plumber, a teacher, a mechanic, a stay at home mom, a cleaner. You are anointed. You are appointed for that role. God is with you. In fact, you have an unfair advantage over everyone else in the workplace. You've got the Spirit of God who's called you and gifted you to, to, to do things for Him. That you have this uh, insight into the ways of God. He can give you ideas. He can download witty inventions, goals, uh, purposes, intuition. He, you have the spiritual awareness and the gifts from God to actually not only succeed in your workplace, but to prosper in your workplace. You are anointed. You are called. You are chosen. A.W. Tozer says it this way. Let every man abide in the calling wherein he is called and his work will be as sacred as the work of the ministry. Your work is sacred. It is not what a man does that determines whether his work is sacred or secular. It is why he does it. We do it to build the kingdom of God to give him glory. There's this misconception in church that it only happens in here. A bit of preaching, a bit of worshipping, and then that this is church. But the church actually leaves this building in about an hour and goes into the marketplace Monday to Saturday. And I believe my role as a pastor, Ephesians 4.12, is to train and equip the saints to do the work of the ministry in the workplace. So before I was a pastor, I was a builder. And I love building. I was good at it. I love numbers. I love building things. I love teams. I love projecting. And from an early age, I had good work ethic. I worked well, successful. We did great building. And I felt it was my ministry. It wasn't just a job. I felt God had called me to be a builder. And so I had to deal with God that he was my partner. 
and that I felt, God, you're with me in this. You're, you're, you're my partner. Let, 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 let's have a board meeting each day. And I know you think my board meetings are in the surf on my surfboard. That is a board meeting. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I need board meetings in my life. Grace God. But I would start another meeting every day. God, I'm with you today. Do you lead me, direct me? Every morning I would pray in the office. I'd walk up and down in front of the office before I hit the job site or wherever I was. I'd pray, God, you're my partner. God, lead me, direct me. And I felt he was my partner. As a business owner, he was my partner. So I had a deal that 50% of the net profit after tax of each project I'd give to God. And I'd sow into the local church. I loved it. I had the gift of giving. And, and I just, it fueled me. It invigorated me. It was my ministry. But what it did, it changed me. It, it turned me into a closer relationship with God because I felt I was partnering him, with Him in my everyday, not just on a Sunday. And, and that drew me closer to God to rely on Him, talk to Him. As I, uh, you know, people would sort of look at me and I'd be mouthing, I'd be praying, I'd be asking. I'm in a, a meeting and I'd be talking to a subby or an architect or a builder. or I'd be driving into a project management meeting or dealing with a client. God, show me. God, give me favor. God, help me. God, I need you. God, give me supernatural wisdom. Give me. And God wants to minister through you in your workplace because your workplace is your ministry. You work is your ministry. That's where you can care for others, share your faith, be a light, be be salt. You aren't just a stay-at-home mum. You're you're raising leaders for the kingdom of God. You're not just a teacher. You're influencing a next generation for Jesus. You're not just a plumber. You're running a godly business for others to be inspired by. You're not just a business owner. You're a steward. You're not just a banker. You're an ambassador. You're not just a salesman. You're an undercover agent for Jesus Christ to share His gospel, right? 39 of the 40 miracles happened outside of the temple, outside of the church building, outside of the church service. You get ministered to on a Sunday, so you can go and minister to during the week. You're not off the hook here. This isn't just to come and be entertained. This is to be fed, filled up so you can go. Number one, say it with me. My work is my ministry. Say it again. My work is my ministry. One more time. My work is my ministry. Number two, my work is my worship. Colossians 3.23. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for who? For the Lord rather than for people. You're not working for the government. You're not working for your boss. You're not working for a person or a corporation. You're working for the Lord. 1 Corinthians 10.31. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it what? For the glory of the Lord. Your work is an act of worship. Changes everything when you think about it that way, doesn't it? Your work is a worship. Are you giving it your best? Suddenly it removes all the complaining and the arguing and the challenges. And suddenly you've got this meaning. You've got this purpose. It's a, it's, it's, it's a place of worship. Romans 12 is 1. So here's what I want you to do. God is going to help you do this. You ready? Take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work going to work and and walking around life and and place it before God as an offering. Your work is your worship. Everything we do is to glorify the Father. Every promotion, every accolade, every award, every success, every time we are to give glory to the Lord, to, to give it 
your absolute best. All right, preacher boy, you've lost me on that one because I hate my job. It sucks. You know, it's boring. It's terrible. <laughs> Come on. It wouldn't tell my works, my worship. It's, it's, it's bad. My, we got no idea. So well, you're not alone. The Gallup conducted a global poll revealing uh, that one billion of the world's full-time workers, only 15% are engaged in the work leaves 85% unhappy with their jobs. So what do we do as followers of Christ if we hate our job, if it sucks, if it's terrible, if we can't use it as a place of worship, if we're not successful, if it's terrible, if we hate it? Here you've got two options. You can change it or embrace it. You can change it or embrace it. Life is too short to stay at a job you hate. Life is too short to do a job you're limited to. What can you do? You can change it. Life is too short to blame the boss. Life is too short to change the travel time. Life is too short to, to, to blame fear and comfort for following where Christ wants you to go. Maybe it's time to change it. You're in control. No one else, you're in control. Seek God. Get some godly counsel. Now, don't all quit your job on Monday morning, right? Be smart about it. You know, see what's out there first. <laughs> Maybe you need to upskill. <laughs> Maybe you need to study. Uh, don't, don't, tithes and offerings just go through next week, uh, Lindsay, because no one's got a job. No one's got any money to give, and we're all out on the street. Uh, listen, pray about it. Be wise. But don't lose your purpose on earth Understanding your work is your ministry, your work is your worship, doing something you hate, you're not good at, you don't like. You've got two options. You can change it or you can embrace it. And maybe this is the one you need to do for a season until you change it, is embrace it. Ecclesiastes 9.10, whatever you do, do well. Whatever you do, do well. I love the King James Version. I don't really know. I don't normally go the King James. I'm not smart enough to say the words, but who, who whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Thy might is this Hebrew word, keoach. It means power, strength. Christians, we should be the best in our jobs, period. We should give it our might, our strength, our power. You're working for the Lord. We should stand out with our work ethic. We should be better than anyone else. I'm going to get a bit passionate here. I'm sorry, but I am a big believer in work ethic. I believe in work ethic. I believe it's a way to honour God. I believe it's how God's wired us to do. And I push work ethic into my family at an early age. I'm like, boys and my daughter, we're workers. We're going to work hard and praise God for New South Wales, because there is no age limit for working. Did you know that? There's no age limit. Stupid Queensland, they're so soft up there, those banana benders, that you can't work until you're 13. You can start legally working at 11 in Queensland if you do deliveries with, with newspapers. In New South Wales, there is no limit to your age that you can work. As soon as they're walking, put them into work. Put them into work. Put them into work. Give them a job. Get them to do something. True. Get, get them to do something. Now, I know corporations won't hire you till you're about 14, a couple of months. 
and so we, we worked before that as a family. My daughter, she is a, she is a worker. Love it. She's had so many jobs all of her life. All my boys work and, and we, they, they breed bunnies. Um, they, they deliver newspapers. They, they lawns and just always doing jobs. Well, at, at 14 and, and a couple of months, they can legally work at Maccas. And so like, we're going to Maccas. Now, my daughter didn't do Maccas because she's a bit spiritual and she's the favorite and she's the eldest and she's perfect in every way. But my boys, hey, we're going to Maccas. We're going to learn systems and processes. I'm a big fan. I worked in Maccas and so we get them into Maccas as soon as we possibly can. That's the highlight. That's their birthday present is a job at Mac. I'm serious. And I'm like, that's the best looking uniform I've ever seen, man. You iron that uniform, you tuck it in, you wear it loud and proud, man. You wear it to school, you wear it to the beach, you wear it to the shopping centre. You're, you're a Maccas, man. You learn those values and those vision statements and they tell me what's going on at Maccas today and I drive them there and I, you, you be the best Macca worker. Your SpongeBob is my hero. You, you go over and above, you make those burgers, you be the, the best you can. They're like, Dad, it's just Maccas. It's just Maccas. But I believe in it because it shapes them. So my youngest boy, Jet, he's just started his Macca's career. Come on. Come on. Come up here, son. Here's my man. Here's my man. My Macca's man. So I pick him up from Macca's yesterday and he kind of rolls his eyes at me half the time as teenagers do, but He then showed me this award. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Jet Palladin. Having a positive attitude. What do you think about this work ethic that dad forces on you? Um, It's like good because I get good work ethic. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Proud of you, son. Well done. Can we give it up to Jetty? And I, I couldn't go on to the next point. I'm such a dad, such a dad. Look, I'm a family man, and uh, I'm going to put my kids first, if that's all right. Um, if you get the mic, you can put your kids first, but I've got the mic. Uh, I, I honour my son-in-law. And uh, Josh, uh, on the front row there, he, he may be the smartest person I know. Uh, I, I think he's, I don't know, OP1 or whatever it is, OP1 of the smartest. I think he got top 5%, double degree, law and business and bond, and just outstanding, intelligent. Uh, but his work ethic is even better. He, he's up at 5 a.m. every day. He, he, he's a worker. He's got discipline. He's got drive. He, he, he's, he was a swimmer early on. And I, I, I just knew when, when he was dating my daughter that um, we would never, he'd be never asking me for money because he's going to make more than I do because of his work ethics. I thought that's a good thing. But uh, that translates into his life, into his relationship with God, his discipline. He reads God's word um, into his love for my daughter. He's, he's faithful. He's hardworking. And I honor you, Josh, and your work ethic is outstanding. You're a great, great man of God. Number one, your, your, your work is your ministry. Number two, my work is my worship. Number three, my work is hard, but the Lord is with me. It's hard, but hard isn't bad. We wrongly think that if something's hard, God can't be in it. There's nothing easy about going to the cross. There's nothing easy that Jesus did when he hung on the cross and died for you and I. There's nothing easy about his life, and he's our example. Hard isn't bad. 
hard actually allows us to do things that are significant. We see in 1 Chronicles 28.10, God chose Solomon to build the temple. He didn't choose David, remember. He chose Solomon. So take this seriously. The Lord has chosen you. This is David talking to his son, Solomon, to build the temple and his sanctuary. Be, be strong and what? Do, do the work. Do the work. This is a big project, $4 billion today. It's value. Four years it took, 30,000 workers on a rotation month off, month off, month on, month off. And Solomon was overwhelmed. And he's like, this is too big. I'm a kid. I don't know. This is too hard. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm the prince. I'm supposed to take life easy. And David continued, be strong and courageous and what? Do the work. Do the work. Don't be afraid and discouraged. For the Lord my God is with you. Do the work. Do the work. Don't focus on fear or how hard it is or how long it takes or how big. Just, just do the work. Just make a step and do the work. Raising teenagers is hard. Just, just do the work. Show up because the Lord is with you. Getting up early is hard. Just, just get up. Do the work. The Lord is with you. Life balance is hard. Do the work. Just realize God is with you. Meeting the expectations of the boss is hard, but do the work. Do the work. The Lord is with you. Isaiah 40, 31 says, those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. The eagle is often this animal that's used to sort of explain a Christian. And the eagle is the only animal that flies toward a storm and allows the pressures and the winds and the storm to cause it to rise above the circumstance. We don't rise with wind, we rise with faith. And it's knowing that our God is with us that allows us to do the work and to rise above those challenges that are coming. Stop whining, stop complaining, stop arguing about the boss, do the work. Do the work because God is with you. You don't do the work alone, God is with you. You, you, you're not pushing on your own. No, God is with you. Don't miss that second piece that David gave Solomon. Do the work. The Lord is with you. Oh, man, I've got this deadline. I'm working till midnight. Do the work. The Lord is with you. Oh, man, I, you know, I didn't get paid for that overtime. Do the work. The Lord is with you. In fact, my Finney the other day, um, he was working at the, he's moved up from Macca's. He's at the Greek restaurant. He's my 18-year-old. Uh, and he, uh, he says, they're not paying me, Dad. I mean, you're not paying it. Well, I ain't getting 18 an hour. You know, I should be getting more. I'm worth more. I'm like, you're a kid. So you should be thanking them that you, you got a job. <laughs> well, I'm not getting my breaks. You know, legally, I have to have a break every four hours and it has to be 15 minutes. And if I don't get my break and it was, I didn't get my break till four hours and 30 minutes and that's just wrong. And I, I'm like, just be grateful you got a stinking job, would you? Just be thankful that you're employable. Do the work, do the work. And I said, here's what you do. Don't tell the boss you, de you, uh, you, you deserve more. Show the boss you deserve more. You, you just go in extra. You, you go in early. You, you, you go in before the start time and you were, and, and I talked to him about bringing work ethic, bringing your best, doing the work, God is with you. A week later, the boss gave him a $10 pay rise to $28 an hour. Do the work. The Lord is with you. 
My work is my ministry. My work is my worship. My work is hard, but the Lord is with me. And number four, my work is my mission field. As Jesus stood up for us, so we should stand up for Him. He willingly endured ridicule, mocking, contempt, hatred for us. How much more should we stand up for our God in the workplace? You can be a plumber and reach far more people than a preacher. Jesus shared a parable of salvation. And I think this is what we can apply into our workplace. In Luke 14, verse 16, a man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to tell the guests, come on, the banquet's ready. But they all began making excuses. There was a custom in the day of Jesus to send out two invitations to a party. The first invitation was to announce the event. The second was to tell the guest everything was ready. In Israel's history, God's first invitation came through the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the prophets. The second invitation came through Jesus, His Son. But the religious leaders rejected the second invitation. And the master told the servant, go out to the highways and the byways, the highways and the hedges and compel the people to come that my house may be filled. The master wanted his servants to use all persuasion possible to fill the feast. Jesus used this word compel, indicates this great desire from God. This is a parable of salvation. God wants every man, woman and child to be saved. He wants us to compel them to be saved. This has to be a focus of our lives, that our work is actually a mission field. And it's a place where we can shine the light of Jesus Christ. We can be bright. We can be bold. We can be loving and gracious and caring. Jesus said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. We think fishers of men is fishing with a one fishing pole or a hand line with a piece of bait. But fishing was very different in the days of Jesus. Fishing was using boats and nets and a bunch of people. Uh, It was a team effort. It was a group. And so when we think about being fishers of men, we don't do it always alone but we do it with a body of believers. I think coming to church is one of the best ways to see people come to Christ. When they step into the presence of God, when the Holy Spirit convicts them through the words of the, of the Word, when they see the joy and the passion on your faces, when they see the deep community, they can't help but think there's something going on in this place. I don't know what it is. I don't understand it. But God moves significantly in people's lives. In modern day church, most people come to Christ in church. It doesn't have to be just in church, but we're a team of fishermen and women casting nets together. I want to challenge you, if that's okay. Invite people to church. Invite them. Invite your colleagues. Invite your workmates. Let them know you go to church on a Sunday. 
Tell them something special is coming up. Hey, we've got a special Sunday. It's just a normal Sunday, but say, hey, it's a spe- it is special, right? Because God's here. Bring them along. Hey, I'll sit with you. I'll pick you up. I'll come get you. I think we've lost a bit of the fire in our churches to see the lost saved. I think we've sort of drifted from mission and we've sort of made it a little bit about us. But the great commission is to go to the world and to preach the gospel. As we bring the band back up, I want to sing God of Revival and we'll close out with this song. And I'm believing for revival to happen in your workplace. Imagine if revival breaks out at work and your boss gets saved. Imagine some of your co-workers start talking about the things of God and how they had an encounter with Him. Imagine if suddenly people get saved in your school or your uni and, and, and suddenly the Bible studies and prayer meetings are birthed out and, and, and suddenly you're having to uh, you need to change uh, your schedule so you can talk to people about Christ and uh, imagine if, if God just blesses the business and sales go through the roof and God just pours His favour and His blessing and, and, and you're just expanding your office space because God is moving and, 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 and sales are, are increasing and favour is coming and there's just a move of God and you why can't revive Revival break out. Why can't we see re- revival's not just for in here? Revival's into our workplace, into our marketplace. I, I believe God is sending revival. I believe it's not going to be held into the church building. I believe it's going to be bigger than that and it's going to be into the marketplace and Christians are going to be the ones that God's going to use to to kind of guide and direct the revival in your workplace, in your school, in your offices, that that God would pour His Spirit out on His believers, that you would see that your work is your ministry, your work is your worship. It might be hard, but God is with you and your work is your mission field. Father, we pray for revival. We pray for revival.